0: Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit salemheightschurch.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Ready to roll? Good morning, everybody. He is risen. I want to, yeah, we can be excited about that. We're going to have a little opportunity for uh, response throughout uh, the service this morning. We're asking for you to be able to uh, respond not only to the declaration that he has risen, uh, but to the evidence of changed lives. Easter is a time every year where we as believers get together and we take a little bit of a moment. Uh, We slow down and remember who it is that saved us, what he did to save us, and the declaration of the resurrection that proves that he has the power to save us. So we take a moment to do that, and this morning we're actually gonna ask you to help uh, participate in that with the Lord's Supper, so you will have received elements on the way in. If you didn't get those, we'll get you an opportunity uh, to, to pick those up partway through the service. But this will be a little bit interactive. We're praying that it'll be a whole lot of blessing. But to start us off, what I'd like us to do is just stand to our feet, be welcomed here, and be reminded He is risen. risen. I want you just uh, to notice a picture of an actual historical event. Uh, This is a picture of a a ship that was called the Endurance. Uh, This is the last picture of it before it sank. Uh, tra- um, a ship that was trapped in the ice, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'm captivated by history, in particular, history that tends to follow along with a plan that seems to be organized by, by God, his timetable, a reminder of his goodness. I don't know how a ship trapped in the ice could be uh, a reminder of goodness at first glance, but all the men were able to get off of that ship. This is uh, Ernest Shackleton's ship, his intention was uh, to go all the way down to Antarctica and to lead the first team all the way across uh, Antarctica. He, of course, gets trapped in the ice, never makes it to uh, complete that journey, uh, but their journey was one that was really profound. Shackleton and his men, 26 of them are, uh, or 28 of them, are able to get off of that uh, ship. They just got a, a couple of small boats, they grabbed as many supplies as they could off of the ship and we're dragging them across the ice hoping to make it as far uh, 30 miles away to this place called elephant island but they could only make it a few miles in seven days they went seven miles and they realized we're not going to make it so they hunker down underneath those boats and they say we're just hoping that the ice will begin to drift that direction Eventually, they feel that the ice is breaking up in different areas, and uh, so Shackleton tells his men, we've got to get everything that we can into a couple of boats, and we got to row for Elephant Island when the, the ice breaks up, and the ice, in, indeed, breaks enough for them to go, and they row for 30 miles, uh, make it to a place called Elephant Island. At this point, it's been over 450 days that they've been away from home. They haven't been on dry land for 450 days. Ice, water, a mess every single day. They get to the island, they make camp, and they look at each other and they realize we're not going to make it unless somebody goes for help. They looked on their map and they saw that there was in fact a whaling center, the closest one to them, 800 miles away by rowboat. So Shackleton says, I'll go with a sextant and a compass across all of the seas, if you've heard any of the stories of that, uh, those southern seas, treacherous. He says, I go, I'm going to come back for you guys. And he leaves a man in charge, Frank Wilde, and he sets off. Um, they watch him go into the distance that morning. And before he left, they took seven days to prepare. It was the preparation for Easter week. Seven days, they prepare. He gets his sustenance up. The day after Easter, he leaves and says, I'm going to come back for you guys. And they row. They row. 800 miles, an amazing story. You should look it up on your own time. But this is what happened while he was gone. The men were so disheartened, five months go by, and they're convinced they're just gonna die on the island that nobody will know uh, that they are there. And so the officer that was left in charge began a ceremony. Every single morning, he would begin the morning with some chores and a shout. And he would yell out to the men, lash and stow, lads, for the boss might come today. Their captain was gonna be returning. So they would look, just as part of a ceremony, off into the distance and wait for the return of Shackleton. Well, five months later, Shackleton did return. Um, They were able to get those men off of the island and every single one in a really profound story made it back to their loved ones in England, lived to tell the story of Shackleton and his men. Why is that helpful to us? It was because a simple ceremony had prepared them for the return of their captain. We're going to take a look here at something that is significant, and we take time at Easter to celebrate the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is a miracle that we are celebrating, a miracle that proclaims with great loudness that Jesus Christ is Lord and King, that he has the right to be called Savior, and he is. But that resurrection uh, did not happen in a void. It didn't just happen in a random moment. God didn't just pick any old day on the calendar, but there were some things that were already embedded in the culture at that time that were going on that Jesus took time to explain to his men before he goes to the cross. And we're gonna take a little look at that ceremony that would have been preparing them for Jesus this morning. That ceremony was the Passover. God had um, prepared the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to happen at Passover. I want you to uh, just listen to these sections of scripture um, where Jesus describes this, starting with Luke chapter 22, verses 15 and 16. This is Jesus sitting with his men the night that he'd be betrayed. It says, and then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He says, I wanted to have this moment with you for a particular reason. What Passover is he talking about? Well, it's something they had celebrated for 1,500 years in Israel. And we get the storyline, the outline of the Passover that Jesus was celebrating with his men. It actually had a prescripted outline, and it gets its outline from Exodus chapter 6 and Exodus chapter 12. Here are these words. It says in Exodus chapter six, then God spoke to Moses telling him, I am the Lord and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as Almighty, but I was not known to them by my name, the Lord. That's worthy of an underline if you have your Bibles. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land they lived in as aliens. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites Whom the Egyptians are forced to work as slaves. And I remembered my covenant. Therefore, I will tell the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out of the forced labors of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. You will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is God speaking to them truth. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses told this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because their broken spirit and hard labor. I just want you to notice a couple of things in there before we move on. Uh, The fact that he was known by a different name from this day forward. The fact that he drew near even though uh, they had not recognized him. The fact that their circumstances, even though God was at work, they were unable to see that God was at work because of their circumstances. It is possible that you are here this morning and you were invited uh, by a friend. Uh, You might be here and you're just coming in for the first time in a long time, and it might be that your circumstances have felt like they were a container. Your circumstances and the situation that you are in have caused you to be dull in your hearing or unable to respond to the Lord. You're in good company. This is true throughout scripture. Our circumstances can bind us up, but nine Miracles later, nine plagues later, they're in a different place in Exodus chapter 12. And it says, then Moses summoned all of the elders of Israel. This is before that final plague. And he said to them, go and select an animal from the flock according to your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Take a cluster of hyssop, dip it in the blood that's in the basin and brush the lintel and the two doorposts with some of the blood in the basin. None of you may go out the door of his house until morning. When the Lord passes through to strike Egypt and sees the blood on the lintel and the doorposts, he'll pass over that door and not let the destroyer enter your house to strike you. Keep this command permanently as a statute for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, you are to observe this ceremony. When your children ask you, mark that, what does this ceremony mean to you? You are to reply that the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelite in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, and he spared our homes. Notice the different response here after nine plagues, after nine acts of God. It says the people knelt low and worshiped, and the Israelites went and did this. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. Jesus is having Passover meal with his men, and he He would have read this story. They would have remembered these events. He would have brought back to their memory the promises that were made, the circumstances that the Israelites were in at that time. The Passover meal, our, to our best understanding, that they uh, partook in had a prescription. All of Israel would have followed these four different breakdowns of the meal. And it would have been surrounding a cup four different times that they would participate in a cup, they would drink, and then they would have a different section of the meal. And those four sections of the meal started with the the first cup, which was called the cup of sanctification. They had a hand-washing ceremony and a, a moment where they would purify themselves and they would highlight the fact that they had been set free. The four different divisions coming from Uh, Exodus chapter 6, I will bring you out, I will rescue you, I will redeem you, and I will take you. First cup, sanctification. The second one was the cup of freedom. After they drank this cup, the oldest member of the family or a rabbi, if he was visiting, would explain what they called the Haggadah. They would give the telling, where they would walk through the story of how Israel uh, was set free from Egypt, from oppression, um, from those who had enslaved them. The third cup is the cup of redemption, where God says, I will redeem you. Uh, It was all of God's work, reminder of the cost and the reminder of new life that was in him. And the fourth cup is the cup of the kingdom or the cup of praise, where they would sing the Hallels, finishing with Psalm 118. Those are the four stages of the meal, but there are two key people in this meal that kick it all off, and the first, you saw it there in the storyline, is they would pick the, the youngest person in the household, they would come to the table, and they would ask a question. What does this ceremony, what does this meal mean to you? Wouldn't that be awesome if your kids actually wanted to know why you believe what you believe? What does this night mean to you? There's a second person there, a father or a, a leader, an elder. Um, that would then give the telling. They would share all of that history. As they would go through that history, they would have key elements. Uh, The first would be the cup. Why are there four cups? In our minds, of course, most naturally, that's a picture uh, of blood, but it was a reminder also to them of community. Every single person was told to go out and sacrifice a lamb Uh, and if they were, if there were not enough people in the household to be able to finish eating that lamb by midnight, they were to gather in with other people. There was not a person who took shelter under the blood who was not in community. It's an important picture. We get so focused on our individual relationship with the Lord, we forget that He has called us to community, every single one of them would have been together with others in a household making the declaration, I believe in what God said. And that blood would have been over the doorpost and they would not leave, they would shelter together their believing what God had done. And when they drank those cups, they were uh, in unity saying, I still believe in that God. There would have been bitter herbs that Christ would have explained the understanding of that. Uh, Here we have kale because most of your kids would spit that out if they ate it. Now, I know there's many kale eaters in here. I don't mean to offend you this morning, but I still do the same thing your kids do. (laughs) Some of them would mix that also with horseradish. Um, I had a a friend uh, who had to participate in a Seder every single year and he said the test of your spirituality, whether or not you really are buying in, was who takes the biggest bite of horseradish. If it really shows that you're weeping, that you've got tears in your eyes, you have participated in the meal. Some say that there would have been, even at that time, what is uh, now commonly at a Passover Seder, which would have been salt water, something to dip their bread into. It was a reminder of the tears that were shed because of the the harshness, the bitterness of oppression and the tears that were wept because of it. But remember in that storyline, they had not known God's name, they were weeping tears and even though they were not announcing those tears or their pain to the Lord, the Lord drew near. Those tears were shed and God saw those things. Do you know that God cares about people even if they're not looking to him? There would have also been at that meal a lamb. A reminder that salvation requires sacrifice. Uh, These are lamb shanks, by the way. Somebody asked me, why did you have a picture of chicken? (laughs) And unleavened bread. Unleavened bread uh, that they would have uh, broken. Uh, There's a little ceremony they do at the beginning to break off part of that. It's a perfect picture of Christ. You can look that up on your own. One for Israel has a, a great... Uh, breakdown of all of those different meanings, but they call it the afcomen, the coming later, or a dessert, a picture of the return of Christ. But they would actually break that bread and they would share that because uh, they had participated the entire week, the removing of leaven, a preparation to leave quickly from their homes. They had to eat that meal quickly and be prepared to leave. And they were reminded every single time of how quickly that a meal would take place. It was a reminder also that participation in all of this was a choice. God didn't just save people because of their ethnicity. He saved them because they said, I believe what you said and I've found taken refuge under the blood. So that bread when they took it together was a reminder that they had taken, they had made a choice. Two things I want us to lock in here in this first segment. At both the first Passover and the Lord's Supper, the meal preceded the miracle. Everybody was asked, do you believe these things? And then the miracle took place. As Jesus is sharing this meal with his men, he is not only pointing to those elements, but he is letting them know something is going to happen this evening. I've been telling you about my soon death that I'm gonna be buried, that I'm going to rise again. He would share that with them even that evening and he takes a meal and he's telling them, I want you to put your trust in what I say. In both situations, the meal preceded the miracle. And in both situations, in both stories, those who participated in the meal were asked to make a choice. Do you believe? we go back just for a moment to Frank Wild, we can see how this meal was a declaration of faith. Uh, Frank and his men, we have a picture of the boat as they were coming back to pick them. This is, uh, as they get to Elephant Island, you can see a little bit of the ice in there, but it doesn't really tell the full story. In order for them to be able to get to the shore, um, the ice flow had to actually break up, and so they had taken two ships in the course of five months to try to get to pick up those men. Eventually, they had success at getting a ship near Elephant Island and they were able to see a a break in the ice flow long enough for them to row to shore, pick up all of those men and get back. But they said this, if their daily practice had not been to be ready, if they had not decided that they would get up, lash and stow, and be ready for their captain, they would not have been able to get those men on board and get them to safety. It broke up just long enough for them to run to the ship, get everybody on board and get them to safety. They would do that every single morning as a declaration. They would do that every single morning in preparation for the return of their captain. Jesus is looking at his men and he says, this meal is a declaration. It's a declaration of faith. And that simple act of faith would make all the difference. Throughout this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to follow each of the key points with a moments of praise. I'm gonna pray, but I want you to ask in your own heart, have you placed your faith in that Savior? Do you believe in his finished work? Father, we ask that you would help us as we celebrate this morning, that uh, as we even prepare our hearts for taking the Lord's Supper, help us to remember Um, that these moments that Christ is sharing with his men aren't just arbitrary, it wasn't an accident. Jesus didn't just happen to have Passover and then die in our place. This was planned by you. Your intention from the very beginning was that Jesus would celebrate this meal with his men that he would put these elements on display and then he would take one of those elements and say, this has actually been about me the whole time. Father, we pray that uh, you would help us um, to not just hear these things, but to celebrate the fact that it is true in our life. You give us the opportunity to respond as individuals, but also in community to collectively say we have placed our faith in you. We thank you for moments like Easter where we can take a pause and reflect on what Jesus Christ has done. And we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Making their way off the stage, I just wanna remind you of a couple things that we've already talked about. Um, that night that uh, Jesus was betrayed, there were all of these elements that were on the table and he being uh, the rabbi, that was sitting there would have explained each of those elements to them. Uh, We're going to participate now in one of those elements that he transformed. It's the Lord's Supper. So very quickly, if you did not receive one of these in here, this is a meal that uh, believers take, um, a moment uh, where Jesus had transformed it. It's an opportunity for us not only to reflect, but to participate in what he asked us to do. But uh, if you get those ready, if you did not receive one of those on the way in and you would like uh, those, just raise your hand. The men will be ready. Just leave them up until somebody comes to you. They've got those uh, elements and they will bring them to you. But as we prepare to uh, take a look at that, I want to remind you of the elements that were on the table and all of these would have sparked historical memories with those men They would have been aware of the tears of their people. They would have been aware that uh, there was a moment where they did not worship God by his name, I am. But God intervenes in that moment and uh, tells them what his name is. Jesus is now highlighting this moment for them. He would have uh, reminded them of the lamb and the blood and all of the elements. I want you to hear um, that continuation of that story out of Luke chapter 22 that we started at the very beginning. It says this, then he said to them, I fervently desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, the one that he had been explaining to them. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you from now on, I will not drink the cup, drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes again. And then he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it, gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. He took those elements and he handed them to his men. I want you to notice something. Uh, In the Passover meal, there's a central piece of it and you might have noticed as I was going through the explanation that on the table that I had, uh, there was no lamb shank. Um there's something that is missing in all four gospel accounts. It's a significant omission. As they were going through the Passover meal, every single time that it is described, the men highlight that they had the Passover meal with their rabbi, but missing in every single section is the lamb. The lamb is central to this Passover Seder. It's pa- it's central to the storyline. Um, The parallels to Jesus are significant. I'll give you just a few. The lamb was supposed to be young. It was a one-year-old lamb. Uh, Jesus was considered young. He was 33. You weren't an adult until you were 40. How many things would be fixed in our culture if that was the case? (laughs) It was to be without blemish. Jesus also was without sin. He did no wrong. It traditionally had to be killed at 3 p.m. When they would move these ceremonies into homes, when there no longer was access to a temple, this is when that lamb was to be killed, at 3 p.m. Jesus, at the end of that time, when the world goes dark, 3 p.m. is when he utters those words, it is finished. According to scripture, none of its bones could be broken. Both Isaiah highlights that, the Psalms talk about that, but In the description of Christ on the cross, none of his bones were broken. It had to be consumed at midnight. Even though Jesus was taken in at midnight, um, there was something supernatural that happened the moment that Jesus was on the cross. At 12, midday, the world goes dark. Everyone couldn't wait till midnight, and midnight came to them. Middle of the day, at 12 noon, the world goes dark until 3 p.m. when he says it's finished. Another parallel, it had to be chosen by the father for this purpose. So the father of the family, the oldest member of the family, would go and choose that lamb and have it prepared for the family in the same way scriptures say the father himself prepared the son as the lamb for us. And its blood had to be shed and displayed. Had to be put on the doorposts. This is a a connection that's made all the rest of the way through the scriptures. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter three, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. God presented him as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint God passed over, listen to those words he's using, God passed over the sins previously committed, and God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and would justify the one who has faith in Jesus. He says this blood of Jesus is put on display in this moment so that you and I, just like those that had gone in under the blood of the lamb, this blood of the lamb is where we take refuge, amen? The finished work of Christ. All of these allusions are there, but there is something that is missing in all all four Gospels. The lamb is not there. There's no lamb that they take. In fact, he uses bread and the juice. He uses the wine as a picture of his blood, but there is no lamb that is present. Why? Because in all of those accounts, Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the lamb, and he explains to his men that, that I am the one that you take refuge in. I am the one whose blood will be shed, that this entire thing has been about me. At the third cup of the meal, it's called the cup of redemption, Jesus takes that cup and he says, this cup is actually the new covenant in my blood. I left my elements over here, but this is what I'd like you to do at this moment. I'd like you to... uh, get those elements out and just familiarize yourself with those. The bread will be uh, at the top and, uh, when we start, but this is what I, I want you to think about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul gives us a format to follow every single time that we participate in these elements, because Jesus transformed it at that moment, but he said, I don't want you just to take this uh, out of compulsion. This is an act of faith. You're making a declaration at this moment that I have already placed my faith in Christ. If you don't know him, you can today. What the scriptures declare is that Christ died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Actual miracle that declares he has power over the grave and power to save you. All that the scriptures say is if you believe in him, you are saved, amen. If you don't know him, you can know him today. You just say, Lord, I believe that you did this for me. Then taking these elements is a declaration of that faith. But he also says at this moment, we're supposed to pause and reflect because it's possible that in your life, there are a lot of things that will capture you. There are a lot of things that will get in the way of your relationship with the Lord. It's possible that you came in here and there's some things in your life you say, Lord, I know that you don't love those things. He says all we have to do is ask for forgiveness. We confess our sins to the Lord and the moment we confess them, it says in scripture, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. At that moment that you confess, they're washed clean. But if there's anything between you and the Lord today, confess it, say, Lord, help me to take care of that. But you have an opportunity to take these elements that were first taken by Jesus's men before that miracle that happened of the resurrection. These elements that Jesus wants us to participate in to remember what He did and that He's coming again. But He wants us to do it in a worthy way. So, what we're going to do right now is pause. I'm going to pray. AJ's going to lead us in a song. And what we are going to do in this moment is we're going to reflect on what Christ intended for us. And the, the question is, will we do that in a worthy manner? Let's pray that God will help us inspect our hearts and that we'll be ready to take these elements as Jesus' men did. Let's pray. So Father, we come to you right now and we ask that you would help us to take these elements in a worthy manner. You set aside a moment with your men. Before you went to the cross, I can't imagine all the things that would be going through the mind of Christ at that moment, but he pauses and he leads them through that Passover and he transforms those elements. He shows them this is what this picture has always been about. Jesus Christ, the sacrifice for us, the one who is the lamb. Father, we pray that you would help us not only Uh, If we're here today and don't know you, to put our faith in Christ, but to live lives that are a worthy representation of what you would have us be and do. If there's anything right now collectively in the way between us and you, Father, we just as a group, we ask that you would help us to confess it. We ask for um, cleansing. Father, we come to you in repentance, and we ask that you'd make us worthy in this moment reflect on these things thank you for the cross we thank you for the opportunity to take this Lord's Supper help us now as we reflect in Jesus name amen if you just familiarize yourself with the uh, elements there we're going to take the bread first Paul gives us the instructions for that in first Corinthians chapter 11 open that bread side there And he says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you flip over those elements and open the cup... The scripture continues and says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The scriptures declare, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes us pray father we're so thankful um, not only that we can get some background on that moment the event that actually happened you with your men taking those elements transforming that meaning being able to show them that actually that entire time the picture was about you father we thank you for the shed blood of christ his death, and his burial, but also the resurrection that proclaims not only victory over the grave, but that he has the right and the ability to be called Savior and Lord. We thank you for that, and we ask that you would help us to live lives um, that are in eager anticipation of his soon return. He not only said he would do these things, but that he would come again, and he wanted us to eagerly anticipate his return. Father, help us as we do those things. In Christ's name, amen. I want you to just uh, draw your attention to a video here. There's uh, an author, Lance Brown, who will explain through art uh, just what it means to follow Christ and highlight the power of uh, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, uses black there, the picture of sin that is hovering what drove Christ to the cross. But as he does this artistic representation, uh, he reminds us also, we can have moments of clarity. Uh, We can understand what it means to follow Christ. Uh, We can even understand what he did, but as we move through life, things begin to encroach on that view. It is possible that you understood at one time, but then sin, that's the picture there, overtakes. We pause in moments like this to remember the love of God and what he did, but even that can get a little bit messed up as we go through our life. So what Jesus does in this moment through all of the uh, ages is he takes a moment with his men and he flips this one picture so that you would see, it's not up to you, but he was there the entire time. There was a picture, yeah, that was on that, That painting the entire time, Jesus takes a moment with his men and he shows them this element that has been a part of their culture that God had actually assigned to them to remember. But he shows them and says, this entire time, that picture was about me. I was always in the picture. And no matter what it is that you're facing or no matter what it is that you are going through, Christ is the one that is the answer. He is the one that enters into the mess. He is here. He is not left. This event was meant to shape their view of God as we participate in moments like the Lord's Table and Easter celebration of the resurrection. We're to be reminded of God and salvation. We're to celebrate a risen Savior. There's some amazing parallels that happened in the first Passover. They took that meal and a miracle happened. And the second one where Jesus proclaims he is the lamb. After that first Passover, Instead of just calling him almighty, they knew him by his name, I am. They worshiped him according to his name. And after this Lord's Supper meal that he took with his men, they would worship him ever after as Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. They worship him by name. It would impact those early people's calendar. Uh, God said as a result of the Passover, now the month of Nisan, would be the beginning of your calendar. You would begin the year with worship. And after Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, Christians began to worship on Sunday, the first day of the week. They would begin their week with worship. Ever after, after that moment, they would commemorate what God did with a meal after the Passover and after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection it has been the same. That Lord's Supper that we just take has been uh, partaken of by believers for generations since Christ's resurrection. And since that time, it would renew the promise. We would be reminded not only that he did something historically, but he is actively doing something right now in our lives, amen, and he is coming again. So what gives Jesus the right to make those declarations? What gives him the right to transform a meal? What gives him the right to tell his men that it's always been about me? What gives him the right to say that he is the one that can do all of these things? Well, we find the answer to that in Matthew chapter 28, verses one through seven. It says, after the Sabbath, at the first day of the week, as it was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake because the angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. And his appearance was like lightning. His clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. Come see this place where he lay Then go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead, and indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was proof that he can save. It was proof that he has power over the grave. It is proof that he has your future in his hands. It's an exclamation point. It declares that God drew near, even though you may not know Him or did not know Him, He drew near for you. He rose again to proclaim that He saves those who place their faith in Him. And it's that that we celebrate today. Amen? He is risen.